So our sermon series, uh, Finding Joy in Real Life, Five Habits for Living Well, is continuing. And um, these are five habits that if we can uh, implement into our lives, it will help us to live our life better. It will help us to find joy as, as we live our lives. So uh, today we're talking about, um, the sermon title is, It Ain't About the Dough. So those of you that are English teachers, I know that's like nails on a chalkboard. But sometimes we preachers do things really just to get back at our old English teachers. So I know how to say it. It is not about the money. It's not about stuff. But for today, it ain't about the dough. We can find ourselves really focused on material things. We, we can find ourselves looking to things to bring us happiness. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, if I can just get that big promotion, then I'll be happy. Or if I can just get X dollars in the bank, then I'll be happy. Or if I can have so many dollars in the bank that I can retire, then I'll be happy. That's not going to bring us happiness. Now look, I'm not talking about having a reliable car. That's a great comfort to have a reliable car. I get that. We're not talking about that. We're not talking so much about that we oftentimes have uh, more month than money. I've been there. I mean, I had a car that when I got in it, it was a 50-50 shot that I was going to get where I was going. I mean, I'm almost there now. My Suburban's got 190,000 miles on it. So I understand that there's some comfort in having some level of financial stability. And that's really not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about focusing on material things, buying into what Madison Avenue tells us is going to make us happy. You know, if you get that really new Lexus, you'll be super happy and you'll be cool, right? We're just bombarded with this. And we can sometimes find ourselves buying into this idea, if I had more, I would be happy. Scripture has quite a bit to say about money and how to use it. Um, some over 4,000 verses, actually. We're going to look at a couple. So we're looking at one from Proverbs and one from the book of Ecclesiastes. So Proverbs 22.7 says this, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And our Ecclesiastes passage is chapter 5, verse 10, says, The lover of money will not be satisfied with money, nor the lover of wealth with gain. This also is vanity. So in, in these two texts, I think there are three truths for us. What one is that the rich, they've got options. The, the rich can have more options than the poor. Well, duh. I mean, Proverbs has lots of profundity in it, but we all know this. Jesus says to us, you will have the poor with you always. So we, all, we know this is, this is the way of the world, that the rich have options that the poor do not. That's all there is to it. But I think the second truth that, that we really sort of need to focus on is this idea that if you have borrowed money, 
then you're working for the lender. I mean, my generation is the first generation that had credit cards just showing up in their mailbox. My senior year of college, I had two unsolicited credit cards show up in my mailbox. Woo, hot dog, I got some money. It took my wife and I actually years to learn how to manage that level of consumer debt. The truth of it is that we can become a slave to the credit card. We're working just to make the minimum payment. The Bible is telling us that when you are a borrower, it's really not you you're working for. You're working for the person that loaned you the money. Debt can become oppressive in our lives. Debt, generally speaking, is not a good thing. We, we can get caught up saying, well, I don't have enough money to buy that new shirt that I really want, so I'll put it on my credit card. Now, look, I'm not here to tell you that all debt is bad. Mortgages are most appropriate. Now, you can be house poor. I've done that, too. So you have to be judicious in how you get a mortgage and how much you borrow. But borrowing allows us to do some things that we can't save money for. It would take a long time for us to save $150,000 to buy a house. So don't hear that all debt is bad, but, but you need to be careful how you handle it. I think the third truth that is presented for us is that if you love money and wealth, if that's where your heart is, you can never have enough. If your heart is about having money or wealth or status, you will never be able to have enough to make you happy. Scripture tells us in this, in this Ecclesiastes text, the lover of money can never have enough. Now, I know some of you are saying, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Mike, but I'd sure like to try it. I'd sure like to have more money than I could spend in my lifetime. I think I could be happy. And that may be true. Over and over again, we learn that a heart set on gain, a heart set on money can't be satisfied. I'm going to show you a clip from a movie. Uh, the movie is called Intolerable Cruelty. It's an older movie. I saw it years ago, and this particular uh, scene really stuck out to me sort of in the sadness that these, these people portray. It's about uh, a divorce attorney who like specializes in really high-end divorces, like uh, maybe the Gateses or something. And um, he has more money than he can shake a stick at. He's got a jet. He's got people to wash his jet, to fly his jet. He's got more money than he can spend in a lifetime. And the movie is about him actually finding love and, and true happiness. But in this particular scene, he is um, having dinner with a woman he actually was working against in uh, a trial, 
and she has a divorce settlement that has enough money that she can't spend it all in her lifetime. So that's where we are when we're looking at this. So let's take a look at this clip. She had a settlement, had more money than she could spend in her lifetime, and she still wasn't happy. He had more money than he could spend in a lifetime. He wasn't happy. Spoiler alert, they fall in love and they find happiness. But that, that little clip reminds us that money does not guarantee happiness. I mean, I was a banker, and I, and I worked with people who had more money than they could spend in three lifetimes. And some of them were the most miserable souls I'd ever met. I'd go home from work and pray for them because they were so miserable with their lives, despite having all the advantages that money gave them. So let me just kind of set your status in the world for you. So if you have income in the United States at the poverty level, you are among the top 20% wealthiest people in the world. Our poverty level puts them at like the top 20% of income in the world. 80% of the world lives on $10 a week. You might have spent that on coffee on your way in. I know you not, don't feel like it, but by the world standards, you're rich. You're wealthy. And when you go home today and you're thirsty, no matter how horrible you think your house might be, you turn your water on, you have clean, drinkable water. 1,600 children a day die because they don't have access to clean water. People, we are rich. Rich beyond the world's imagination. You might not feel it, but you are. So 1 Timothy has some words for us, and I'd like to share them with you now. This is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. As for those who in this present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that is really life. I love that, that we may take hold of the life that is really life. Generosity. That, that's what 1 Timothy is talking about, is being generous with your time, being generous with your money, being ready to share with others. How's that working for you? 
We've already established that you're, we are among the richest in the world. Are you ready to share? Are you quick to be generous? How's that working for you? You want to find joy in this life? One of the habits that you need to pick up is kindness. You need to foster kindness and generosity in your life. It's called altruism. Doing for others. I mean, go home and Google this. Google altruism health. There have been so many studies done that find that being generous, doing things for others, is good for your health. Physically, it is good for your health. They ran one survey where they gave people money and said, here's $40. And they, they, all these people were hypertensive. They all had high blood pressure. They gave them 40 bucks for like six weeks. Here's 40 bucks. Half of them got to spend it on themselves. Half of them had to go and do something with, with it for other people. After six weeks, what they found out was the people who were given the $40 away had lower blood pressure than the ones who were buying stuff for themselves. Being kind and generous is good for your health. There are studies that show us it's good for your mind to be kind and generous to others. There are studies that show that volunteerism makes us live longer. Did I mention that we need some VBS volunteers? You want to live longer? Be a VBS volunteer. All these things, doing for others is good for us. Not only does it make us feel good, like, hey, I did what Jesus told me to do, but it's good for our bodies and our minds and our souls. I mean, the truth of it is we can't afford not to be kind, to not be generous. Because A, it's what Jesus has called us to do, and B, it's good for us. This is not difficult math, people. Kindness, generosity, that is a habit that if you embrace will make you find joy in this lifetime. There is joy found in living for others, giving to others, being generous and ready to share. So this week, I challenge you to go out and do something kind for somebody else. It's good for you. It'll make you feel better. Plus, you're doing what Jesus has called you to do. So go out this week. Do a random act of kindness for someone else. It will make you feel better. Let us pray. Gracious God, give us generous hearts. Give us kind hearts. Father, when harsh words begin to come out of our mouth, 
Help us to catch them. Help us to stop them and instead let kind words pour forth. Father, make us generous. Make us quick to share, quick to help others. We hope that all of that will bring you glory. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.